This is The Resilient Life, where we believe that every human will struggle in this life. Our challenge is to struggle well. I'm Ryan Mannion. I lost my brother to war, my mom to cancer, and I'm the daughter of a retired Marine. I'm also a wife, mom, author, and president of one of the nation's leading veteran service organizations. Join me and some incredible guests as we explore the value of struggling well through life's inevitable challenges. Welcome to another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. Today, I have the head coach of Maryland men's lacrosse, John Tillman. Um, And if you listen to this program a lot, you hear me talk about you know, that I played lacrosse in college, that my daughter and my kids are lacrosse players. So this is super exciting, especially coming off the heels of a 2022 national championship title, um, calling Maryland uh, one of the greatest teams ever. Uh, so such an honor uh, to have you on today, John. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's the honor is truly mine. So let's talk a little bit, you know, you, uh, for those that uh, are follow lacrosse, and, and for those that don't, you know, we just finished up the the national championship, and uh, Maryland took the title Memorial Day weekend. It was incredible. The women's UNC uh, took the title for the women, but you know, up pops. Not only did did Maryland win, but the first undefeated team since two thousand and six against Virginia. So huge feat. And when you think about that, you know, there has to be something that makes this team unique and different. And, and I'd love for you to share a little bit about what made this team so special. Yeah, geez, there are a lot of things um, for sure. Um, and it's, you know, you're so busy. We, we knew we got through the regular season undefeated and, and we, we truly never talk about, hey, let's go undefeated. Uh, we, we really try to take it day by day, week by week. Um, and to me, just breaking things down that simply, um, especially with young people, I think it just makes it easier. You know, just let's have a good practice today or let's have a good lift. Let's have a good drill. Um, and just, you know, if you're so focused on just being in the moment and doing the best you can at that point in time, you feel like there's an old book by Bill Walsh, The Score Takes Care of Itself. Um, and, and really, you know, we were just, everybody was so focused this year in so many ways we got through the regular season and we knew we were undefeated. It was hard to escape that. And then the, the last six games just seemed to fly by, um, you had a conference tournament and then the NCAA tournament, and you're really kind of in this next, you know, what's next mode. So to, when people said like you were 18 and oh, I, it, it kind of crept up, um, truly that we actually got to 18 and then, just in terms of, you know, relative to other teams historically, we hadn't really thought about, you know, comparing ourselves and, and it's come up a thousand times since then. But um, to think that, you know, wow, people are bringing up this team with some of the great teams of all time. It's, it's certainly humbling. Um, yet it would, it just seems so foreign because we had never aspired to be really anything but the best version of ourselves. And it sounds like a cliche, but that's really all you can be. Um, and when people have asked about comparisons, you kind of just laugh because I, that's probably what you do at the coffee shop um, or at the corner pub, um, you know, or at the campfire. And you're usually pretty passionate because you have some sort of allegiance. 
and it, it makes for great banter and, and fun, you know, and, and the game's different now than it was. So I don't think you'll ever be able to prove it. And if you're really passionate uh, about maybe that 2006 Virginia team or, you know, some of those great Syracuse teams, you're, you're basically going to, you know, you're going to stay loyal and you're not budging. Um, and I'm sure our, our Maryland fans would feel the same way, but um, I do think, you know, things that really stuck out, stick out for this team. I, I just think the selflessness of this group um, and the resiliency, um, and, and obviously that becomes kind of relative to the podcast, but um, this group was so unselfish. Um, our top guys, especially, um, we had a, a lot of guys return from last year. Last year's team, we lost uh, a one goal game in the national championship, and it was a heartbreaking year. Um, in that regard, but an amazing year in, in so many ways. But then again, with like everybody else in America, the sacrifices the kids made during COVID, um, just the emotion that came after the season and, and you know, losing that game, um, it hurts anytime you lose. And any coach will tell you that, especially at the end of the year, knowing that your journey's over and it's the last game with, with the players. Um, and you have to say goodbye. But with COVID, just the testing um, eight times a week, uh, not seeing parents at tailgates to get a hug, literally like isolating yourself in your rooms because, you know, we were just so worried about COVID spreading, especially with young people. Guys didn't get a chance to celebrate on the weekend. They didn't get a chance to go home. They sat in their room all day for classes. They came to practice. You ran into the locker room at times and just grabbed your stuff and and and, and left because we couldn't have everybody in there. Um, and then after practice, you put your stuff back in, in in groups so we didn't have too many in there. And then you went right back to um, your apartment or house. So you were so isolated. We didn't have that human connection. Um, so when it ended to come up short, I think was devastating. Um, but, you know, I think that drove this group, um, you know, we talked about coming back, hey, now all we can do is control what we can control, but there was a lot of drive for this team based on the disappointment of last year, which you hope, right, that's what they learned through athletics. One of the many things is it doesn't go always go your way. Okay, well, how can you maybe turn the negative into a positive? What can you control? And, and what can you learn from the disappointment or the adversity that can help you going forward? Um, and to me, that's, we're teachers, our classroom is a lacrosse field in the locker room and, the, and maybe the meeting room, but we're teachers and, and we know bigger challenges are ahead um, and we're trying to get them ready for what they're going to face down the road based on what we're doing collectively right now. Yeah, and I, I love that we're teachers and may not be in the classroom, but it, it's so true. And and I talk a lot about, you know, I, I my all three of my kids play lacrosse, but my um, middle child, she plays soccer and she loves soccer. We know soccer is a super competitive sport when it gets to the high school and collegiate level. She's been playing since kindergarten. She's going into eighth grade now. And I always talk about, you know, um, the beauty of what she's learning on her soccer team is the fundamental she's learning from her coach about life. And I don't care if she ever steps on a soccer field in college, uh, what she is learning from her coach right now about life in general, it's so powerful. You know, we'll keep supporting her to play uh, as long as, as it's available to her. Um, and, you know, you, you think about like this, you talk about adversity and I love that. And, you know, I watch um, this idea that, 
you know, you're going to get another game, right? So for, for most of those kids, I know there were obviously seniors that graduated, but for most of those kids, they got, they got that next game, right? They got that chance to come back and redeem themselves. And, um, and I think you can learn so much and probably way more from that loss than they learned from that win this year. You know, I mean, losing by one goal, um, you know, swallowing that and walking off the field with that, that's a big life lesson. And um, the, the, obviously the excitement that they, they had this year is incredible, but they probably learned so much more from that, that game last year. And that's the hard part is, you know, you, you know what the kids put in and then, you know, you get to that last game and, you know, you realize one team's going to be, you know, really happy and celebrating. Um, and, you know, one team's going to be devastated. Um, you know, having done this for a while, you do realize, you know, the journey is what it's all about, um, you know, in the journey of life. But uh, what I love about you know, athletics and, and being in college is that each year we go on a journey. Um, and some people look at it as a mission. Um, and, and certainly you have goals, but I worry about titling it a mission. Because in, if you have a mission, either you, you achieve the mission or you fail the mission. And I think with, you know, being a teacher and being in college, these are some of the most important and most transformative years of your life. And I remember being a freshman, a wide-eyed freshman and um, a small town guy. And those four years for me, I learned so much about everything. Um, and that's where I think it, it's the beauty of the journey is seeing that freshmen come in kind of nervous, um, you know, very unsure of themselves. And then by the time they get to be a senior, you know, you hate to see them leave, but you know, they're ready. Um, you know, and, and it's, and it's almost like, you know, you, you talk about your kids that they graduate high school and, and they're off to college and sure there's some sadness that they're going to college, but this is their life. This is where they are. They need to leave to grow. Um, and, uh, I think it's such a healthy place to have adversity. Um, and I think that is the challenging thing for parents is, you know, you, you want your sons and daughters to be happy. Um, but you know, it would be, you know, it, it's not realistic to think that you can take away all the obstacles. And, and if they always get straight A's and they're always the best player and they're always the most popular person, um, and everything's going great. That's, that's awesome because they'll be happy, but deep down inside, you have to realize that down the, down the road, there's some stuff that's going to happen. That's not going to be great. And, and have they learned those coping skills? You know, do they know how to manage disappointment? And that's eventually happening to all of us. And so I think it's super healthy to be in a college environment where you have for us, 47 teammates, a coaching staff, a support staff, a sports psychologist, an academic advisor, um, coaches, everybody that's here to help you. So yeah, in your world, the bad grade um, didn't have a good practice. You're injured. You know, it's not going well with your girlfriend. That is huge at that point in your life. And that is devastating at times. Yet when you realize down the road, there's going to be bigger challenges. You know, how do you get through that? Are you doing it in a healthy way or communicating? Are you, you know, vocalizing? And I think that's one of the challenging things for young men is we keep everything inside right and it's not healthy and it's a very difficult world to grow up in right now and especially with social media so 
you know, getting those things off your chest, realizing it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to not be okay. Um, and I think what a great environment to do that, especially in college with so many people there to help you. Yeah, no. And I love that. And I, you know, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, coaching today and what that looks like, um, versus when you were coaching 10 years ago. I I mean, there's so many, there's so many more variables, right? And so, um, you know, what are the biggest issues you're seeing and, and are they trickling in like the issues facing youth? Are they trickling onto the field, you know, and, and how do you as a coach, um, prioritize, I was talking to a coach yesterday, um, a lacrosse coach yesterday, high school lacrosse coach. And she said that she was dealing with so many issues with her players, um, in, in a lot of mental health issues that she was dealing with that she, she at one point during the season said, you know, this forget, forget the fundamentals of lacrosse, forget what we're doing. Like, I need to make sure that these kids are okay. And, and, and it got that serious. And, and so what are you seeing at, at the level that you're at? And, and what do you think the biggest challenge is today? Boy, it, it, uh, I think back and, and I kind of joke with our guys that I grew up in the stone age and we didn't have electricity back then. Um, you know, we didn't, we had leather helmets, um, things like that, but, um, it just seems so simple back then. I think we, we had a lot of challenges as well, but, um, you know, I just remember, you know, Hey, if this is what the coach said to do, that's what you did. Um, there weren't a lot of options in a small town. Um, you played sports because it provided, you know, something to do, um, it provided the friendships, you know, you did learn a lot about life. You didn't understand that at the time. Um, but it was a very kind of simple world. Um, you were very bubbled into your little town and that was pretty much your world. Um, to think that now with social media and you think about especially these kids that are are very good players, high school players, you know, they're going to these national tournaments and they are little celebrities. Um, you know, they're recognized players. Um, there are guys that, you know, are freshmen, sophomores, junior, seniors, and they're being ranked, you know, they're 15, 16 years old. And so now all of a sudden nationally, people in California know who they are. Um, and, you know, with social media, uh, I think there's a lot of great things about social media. I, I think it's depends on how you use it. Um, but I think there are a lot of good things, but there's a lot of danger there, um, especially with young people that, you know, a lot of their identity becomes about the likes, um, how many followers, um, what people say, um, do you do a good job of when, when you're not on there, you know, or when you're done playing, realizing that you're going to get critiqued. Um, you're an athlete, you're on the stage and, and not everybody wants to support you. Um, so somebody that you don't know, who's never met you, who you might not even know because of, you know, what their, what their Twitter name or whatever it might be, they may crush you. They may be critical of you, um, you know, just because you missed a shot or you did not run fast enough. Um, and to be young, you know, a lot of times we don't have those coping skills. So to realize that people all over the country and all over the world are critiquing you, it to me is just such a foreign concept um, because of the little bubble that I grew up in. So trying to understand that um, and, and realize it's, it's the kids are so much more 
aware and informed of the world now. Um, and it is a crazy, unpredictable world that we're growing up in. And so trying to stay in tune with them, I think is really important. And young males don't do a great job of expressing themselves. I know I didn't. Um, and I am not great at that sometimes, you know, like I have to you know, make sure that I do a good job of doing my best to try to connect with them. But generationally, we are, you know, there's a big difference there. Um, so getting guys to communicate is a challenge, but it, I think it's really important. Um, and trying to get guys to express themselves and, and getting them in a spot where, hey, it's okay. Um, you can shut the door and whatever we talk about stays between you and us. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to help you. Um, but it's a lot harder right now. Um, so I think the sports psychologists, I think most uh, programs have those now. Those are really important. Um, it does give you know the young men and women somebody to go to that's not a coach or player or a parent that maybe they can just talk to them and it's a safe space. Um, I think the older players are recognizing that it's really important to look out for those younger players um, because they're probably going through a lot of those freshman challenges that they went through. Um, and that doesn't get talked about a lot. And we try to talk to about it with our freshmen. They're coming from a spot where they're probably one of the most popular, uh, one of the brightest, um, and one of the most successful athletes in their school. And there's a lot of confidence and there's a lot of comfort there. And when you go to college, I don't care where you go, what sport you play, um, what college you go to, all that goes away. You're new, all that comfort's gone. And all of a sudden you start all over again. That is sometimes a huge adjustment. Um, so making sure that, you know, you're trying to stay in line with them and remind them this is part of it. Like it's not going to feel great. Um, you're going to struggle and it's not something that maybe you've done before. Hang in there. Everybody's been through it. Um, and then remind the parents, hey, this is going to happen. You know, biggest thing you could do is keep supporting them. But anytime there's a problem, if it's academics, hey, did you go see your academic advisor? Let's go talk to them. Hey, problem with lacrosse. Have you talked to the older players and gotten feedback and advice? Same thing with the, the coaches. Um, you know, things socially, same thing. You know, have you talked to the older players? It is a big adjustment, but it's such a healthy thing to kind of have to restart and start all over again and work from the bottom up because you know they're going to do that four years later. Yeah, they're, they're low man on the totem pole coming in. Sure, 100%. Um, so let's talk about uh, the, the tie-in. You know, for me, um, you're the head coach of Maryland men's lacrosse, but I know you as a coach at the Naval Academy coaching Brendan Looney, um, along with his brothers, Billy and Steve. And um, I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit because, you know, not only did you coach at Navy, coach at Navy, but you helped bring Navy to the national championship game in 2004. Um, I'll never forget that. Uh, my parents sat next uh, and Travis sat with the loonies at that game. And um, it was, after graduation, I think they had already graduated at that point. It was a couple days later and Navy did not win. Um, but I have some of my favorite pictures ever of Travis and Brendan and Steve and Billy from after that game that night when, you know, they really let loose and embraced <laughs> the loss. I'll, I'll put it that way. 
But let's talk about that idea. You know, you're, there's, there's certainly a difference. You're coaching at Maryland, but you were coaching midshipmen. And, and talk to us a little bit about did your coaching style change and, and what does it look like? And where, what did you see the differences in when you were coaching the midshipmen versus what you're doing now over at Maryland? Yeah, I'd be remiss if I, you know, didn't, you know, express my gratitude to Coach Mead, who was our coach, who gave me um, the opportunity to coach at the Naval Academy. Um, and I remember back in 1995, I was coaching at Ithaca College, and there were some opportunities, there were some coaching changes, and and that's kind of what happens. The year ends, and as a young coach, I was four years out of college, and there were some openings, and and luckily, you know, there were some people at my uh, boss at the time at Ithaca College was a guy named Jeff Long who played at the Naval Academy. Um, and my brother graduated from the Naval Academy in 1986 uh, and then went into the Marine Corps. So I was looking at a couple different positions and I remember my brother going, listen, I don't know a lot about lacrosse. I didn't play lacrosse, but you have a chance to work at the Naval Academy. And, you know, you're, you're four years out of college. You may not want to coach for the rest of your life, but think about working at a place like the Naval Academy it's the greatest institution of, of leadership in the world. Think about what you will get from just being there. Um, and boy, um, it's great to have wise siblings. And my brother was spot on. Um, I learned so much there, um, you know, from the mission of the place, what it stood for, um, and then the people there, um, you know, and you had everybody that worked there, they were all on the same page, right? It was there, we were there to develop, um, you know, morally, uh, physically, academically, you know, just getting those young men and women ready for, you know, what they were going to do after graduation. So just an incredible place in so many different ways. Um, but man, the midshipmen, the people there were phenomenal. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the loonies, um, every time I think of the loonies, I just smile just because that family is just, as you know, is an amazing, amazing family. Um, you know, they're just so tight and connected. Um, you know, they, they live with so much passion and so much love in their heart. Um, they're ultra competitive, um, but they love each other, uh, unconditionally and, uh, they're just, they're the best. And I, they're almost, to me, they are like family in so many different ways. Um, so I think going there, um, and just kind of being a young coach and, and learning so much, but, um, learning there that, you know, at a place like Navy, the kids have so much on their plate. Um, there was a strong sense and coach Mead really loved the Naval Academy. And I thought that was his greatest strength. He was a tremendous leader, but his love for the, the Naval Academy, just, it was, you know, you could just see it. He wore it on a sleeve and his passion for that place and his belief was very much in sync with the mission. Um, so, you know, knowing that we didn't get those kids for a lot of time, it was really important to make practice if you could, the best part of their day, you could still challenge them. They were competitive. Um, they wanted to be pushed, but, you know, adding an element of fun went a long way with those guys because they were, you know, they were taking 18 credits. They were busy. They had a lot going on. Some days they'd get to you and they were pretty tired. Um, and you had so much respect for the fact that they would put everything aside and they would just, you know, come to practice and push and challenge each other. Um, so there was a, a lot of, hey, let's let's include competitive things. Uh, 
um, which obviously played to the strengths of uh, Brendan, Billy, and Stevie and a lot of other guys. Um, but you had to make sure you were efficient with their time because they were busy. And then you had to make sure that, you know, you you, you were doing your part because you knew how much they were doing. You felt a lot of, you put a lot of healthy pressure on yourself to make sure you did a great job of leading, um, being consistent, being about the right things because they were learning about leadership all day long. So if you weren't leading in an effective way, you know, they, they could definitely be critical of you. So I think connecting with them, um, just trying to earn their trust, realizing that, hey, I'm here to help you. I'm not here for any other reason except to help you be the very best version of yourself um, and, and, and respecting them because they took a harder road. I think that was something that I never, I'm not a big yeller per se anyway, and I don't think I was a big yeller back then. Um, I think they learned how to handle, you know, maybe being yelled at and being challenged. So I tried to go the other way because I felt like they would definitely gravitate towards maybe a, a less, you know, um, attacking style per se, if that works. Um, and I think the fact that, hey, I'm going to treat you with respect, I'm going to try to be a little bit more upbeat and positive, and maybe that would be more helpful for them and maybe get more excited about it. Um, and I, at that point, especially being younger, I could be more of an older brother, um, you know, just being that point in my life, especially when I first got there, um, and just be someone they could talk to. Now, did it weigh on you? Uh, you know, you think about, you said you only got them for a short time. And, and, and when you were coaching there, this was post 9-11. I mean, these, these guys were graduating and they were going to war. Um, how did that weigh on you? Were you thinking about that? Were you cognizant of that? And I mean, it just had to hit a little bit differently. Yeah, I can still remember, um, you know, the morning of 9-11 driving into the Naval Academy and I got in and I remember parking my car and then all of a sudden, you know, you start hearing about what's going on and and then, you know, you're at the Naval Academy. So, you know, you're worried, are you under attack? Like, what does that mean for us? And 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 what is happening right now? So you're getting a little nervous. Um, you know, the, you know, the guys, we tried to be very honest in the recruiting process and, and just basically, hey, just understand what you're doing here. Um, if you're coming just for lacrosse, you, you really don't understand what we're doing. Um, I do think you can play a high level lacrosse. I think we can be a very good team and, and compete amongst the best. But yeah, there's another higher calling after graduation and, and realize like you could be in harm's way and you just, you and your family need to think about that. Um, and, and I think we didn't try to brush over that because that is the reality of where you're at. Um, it, again, there's a sense of respect for the decision that they make. Um, but I'd be lying if I said it didn't, um, you know, wasn't something that I, I didn't worry about. Um, and, and even where I'm at now, I still worry. Um, that's when you get to know people like, you know, we're, you know, emotions and passion, it's part of what we do. You build relationships. So, uh, I jokingly will have always said to kids, um, you're stuck with me forever, uh, sorry, um, but I am a guy that worries and uh, I want to make sure they're happy. I want to make sure that, you know, they, you know, uh, we're helping them because it's, it's really not being a four-year coach, right? It's, it's, it's a 50-year coach. Um, so 
that was concerning, but you knew that they were very prepared. Um, it's something that they signed up for and they volunteered for, and it was something they were passionate about. So I think those things helped ease that. But, you know, it's a it's a complicated world. And, you know, there are some people that don't necessarily agree with our way of life here. And you knew that our guys were going to try to make sure they were going to defend our freedom. They were going to put themselves in harm's way. So you, you couldn't think about it a lot. But in a quiet moment, it did creep in. Yeah. Tell us about if you're comfortable, you know, how you felt and and when you learned that Brendan uh, had been killed in Afghanistan. Uh, he graduated in 2004, and then in 2012, you learned the news um, that he had been killed. Yeah, that was a tough one. Um, oof. Um, you know, that's that's the worst phone call you can get. Obviously, you know, with with losing a young person, whether it's your kids or, you know, the kids that you coach and um, you do this long enough, um, it's going to happen. It just, the odds are um, it's going to happen. Even as a young coach, my fourth year at Ithaca college, we lost a young man uh, from meningitis and um, you, you never get over it. You just truly never get over it because you know, the promise um, like just, like you just see what the potential is with these young people and how they're going to go out in their lives and make such a positive impact. And, and Brendan was no different, uh, just a incredible human being. Um, you know, every guy that we coached at Navy was amazing in so many ways. And, um, and, and Brendan, I think everyone there would tell you that he was just a special guy who, who wasn't trying to be special. Um, he was just trying to be him. But at his core, his qualities um, were just so authentic, genuine, and good-natured that, you know, for a guy who wasn't trying to draw attention to himself, um, was a guy that everybody admired um, because of the way he carried himself, what, you know, like what he was all about, um, the things that he did, um, and the things that he said, and it was hard to not just respect him, admire him, and just want to be around him. Um, so that was uh, that was a tough call. Um, you just don't, you know, you just don't believe it's happening. Um, you get numb, and uh, you just, you know, you, you could easily go to why. Um, and as you know, you get further in life, you just that question never gets answered. Um, but I think. You know, it just is a cruel reality of, you know, how fragile life is and how you have to make the most of every day. Um, and then it was, all right, how do we support that family? And obviously everybody that surrounded Brendan, you know, including his wife, you know, what can we do to support them and, and just be there to help and, and, and just do everything we can um, to be there for him? I think you I think you hit it on the head when you talked about, you know, he was so special and he wasn't trying to be special. He was uh, no truer words. I mean, he was just the most authentic, kind-hearted individual. Um, yeah, you, you really hit it. And, and so I want to thank you because this year you walk out onto the field to play in the biggest game in lacrosse that's happening in the world. And you walk out onto that field with that Maryland team and you're wearing a shirt 
um, for Brendan uh, with his motto, be strong, uh, be strong, be accountable, never complain. And it's Memorial Day weekend. Um, many of the people in the stands that day, many of the people watching on ESPN probably weren't thinking about Memorial Day and what Memorial Day went, meant. They're there to watch the, the biggest college lacrosse you know, game in, in the country. But you intentionally made sure that people were reminded of that because you had to know walking out in that shirt that people were going to say, what, what's the shirt he's wearing? It says, be strong. It's got a foundation on the back. And it was everywhere. It was written up in different articles along with you guys winning. It was the fact that you were wearing this shirt honoring a fallen service member Memorial Day weekend. And I can't thank you enough for making sure that the real meaning of Memorial Day was brought top of mind to everybody watching that game. Um, as a Gold Star sister, uh, I know that Amy felt the exact same way. Uh, she was so honored and just, you know, for us, I always say that I never want to represent the whole community of Gold Star family members, but I can overwhelmingly say that the majority of families, if you ask them, you know, what's one thing you want people to know or uh, about your loved one, and, it, and it's just that they're not forgotten, that their name is said, that people know their story. And you were able to do that um, in, in this huge moment uh, for, for Maryland men's lacrosse. You were able to bring it back to the real meaning of Memorial Day and, and Brendan Looney's sacrifice. So I thank you for that. Um, I don't know if you realize how much it meant to put on that T-shirt that morning and walk out the door. Well, I appreciate it. I, I, I know you know, again, I am where I am from all the experiences I had, and I'm not where I'm at right now without the Naval Academy and, and all of the people that positively impacted me. And, and I joke about Brendan in that sometimes the, the, the teacher teaches the student or the player, um, sometimes the player or the student teaches the coach or the teacher. And Brendan, I think, taught us all a lot about how to carry themselves and you know, how to do their business. So um, he still, and, and I think, you know, when you lose somebody like that, and I lost my college coach a couple of months ago, um, and, you know, people would ask about that and, you know, carrying their spirit, um, not letting them be forgotten, doing and saying the things um, and living your life um, in a way that, you know, like they would be proud of. I think, that helps you move forward. It helps you honor them. Um, I think in, 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 you know, having been where I've been, I'm so blessed and thankful. Uh, we have an amazing group of young men in our locker room. I feel like they learn a lot. They get a great education here um, in the classroom. Yet, I think looking back, I remember a lot more of what my coaches taught me than probably some of my teachers, and that didn't mean I didn't have great teachers. We're just around the guys more. Um, you know, this is a four-year class, um, yet the guys, you know, they go to a class for, you know, basically an eighth of their experience here. So they'll have 16 weeks, which is a good amount of time. Um, and they're usually there three times a week for 50 minutes or so. Yeah. You know, we're with our guys so much more 
So I reflect back to the impact my coaches had on me um, and all the things. And I was so blessed to have so many great ones as a player, but also other great coaches that I've worked with and for that, you know, I think it's important that we, again, this is a classroom that we have and reminding guys, I, I never tell guys like, you know, like this is what you should think. Um, that's for them to choose. Um, what we try to help them with is how to look at things and, and how to think. And then whatever you're passionate about, what all, whatever is, you know, your personal beliefs, that's up to you. Um, and it's not my place to tell guys and, and, and kind of go, okay, well, th you should think this way. It more like when you see things, okay, well, this is the way to maybe make that decision or let's keep our minds open to different perspectives, things of that nature. So on Memorial Day, you know, it's become a tradition for us. I always, if we're fortunate enough to get to the final four, um, you know, I'll, I'll reach out to Kevin Looney and say, hey, um, you know, we made it again. Um, do you have any t-shirts? And, uh, he, this year made a, uh, like a quick, um, quick, uh, batch of shirts, got them to us. We got them before the day we left. Um, and it's a tradition for us. We get one practice on the Friday before the semifinals. Um, and that's the start of Memorial day weekend. And, and all of our kids will get a shirt. Um, and we take a picture at the final four with all of our players and our staff, and then I'll post it on social media and our, 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 our Maryland lacrosse one as well. And to your point, it's, it's sure it's, it's the weekend um, championship weekend for the sport of lacrosse, but it is Memorial day weekend, which is bigger than that. And it is something that we can't forget. And uh, you know, all the guys I knew from the military were always like, don't feel bad for me. I signed up for this. Um, you know, I'm doing what I can do so that you can live your life the way that you want, whether I disagree with what you say or what you do or your opinions, but I'm, I'm fighting so that you can have those freedoms and do those things. And other people did as well. So we'll take that picture and send it out. And again, my hope is that anybody that is out there, they just know, like, we do appreciate you. You are not forgotten. Um, whether you're still serving or, you know, the families of those who, who we've lost, like it's important that we, we let you know, we love you. We thank you. And we are grateful. Um, and I think social media, there's a lot of negative, um, but I think we can use social media in a way that is positive. That is, you know, hopefully reaching people like, Hey, this is just all about letting you know, we're grateful. We're thankful. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, and I, I have a lot of guys that I still stay in touch with. I live in Annapolis, um, so there are still some of our players that live there. Um, I know they appreciated it. And I'm like, listen, just wearing a T-shirt is nothing. That's easy. Um, but it is a small gesture of gratitude um, that you're never going to be forgotten. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it for sure. Um, okay. Some quick fire questions for you. What or who has been the most influential person in your life as far as learning to be a leader or coach? Um, hard to pick one. You know, I, I obviously what I'm doing right now, I'd say my first boss, uh, Jeff Long, and my second boss, uh, Coach Mead um, at the Naval Academy. And then I would say my college coach uh, in addition to my parents. So I got five there, but five pretty important ones. I like it. Okay, what is easier to come back from, a losing season or a winning season? Losing season. 
you, you have that edge. Yeah. Um, and I think handling success can be sometimes a lot harder than handling failure. You know, if you have the right guys, they're going to be motivated to get that bad taste out of their mouth. Uh, sometimes when you're successful, it's hard to get that edge back. Yeah. I mean, do, do you feel this tremendous pressure now? Or I, I would say not just you, but the players, like guys just won. Like, is there this pressure to repeat that? Right. I mean, of course there's the pressure to repeat that. Of course they're feeling that, but that's gotta be, it's gotta be more than the team that lost by one goal because they were just hungry. Right. Well, I think what's unique is, you know, especially being a spring sport is like you, when you get in the playoffs, school's over. So most of the kids at the school are gone. So, right. What we want to always do is, you know, like we want to be in the moment. Um, I, I took this from Dabo Swinney, the Clemson football coach. Uh, he always talks about a windshield mentality. You know, you're always looking forward. You're not looking backward, whether you're successful or you're not successful. It's always about what's next. Um, so for our guys, you know, we'll come back in August, yet it's the first time that a lot of people have seen our players since last year. Yeah. So a lot of our seniors are gone. It's a brand new team. We're on a brand new journey and we're starting at zero, yet everybody's going to want to tell them, hey, congrats. Uh, that's awesome. Hey, you guys are great. You guys are great. It's like, well, that was last year's team. You know, this is about the new challenge and we have new guys and a lot of those guys are gone. So it's an interesting dynamic. It, it's fun. Um, it's it's what you love about coaching in colleges. Each year is always way different than the year before. Um, it's exciting. You get 25% of your team usually changes over. Um, you're sad to see guys go, but you're excited about this new group coming in. Um, and each journey is so different. There are different challenges um, there's bumps in the road. There's different successes. Um, so you get excited that each year is so different, but you're starting at zero again. But people are not really letting you do that because th they keep saying, well, you're defending national champions or, hey, you guys won it. Like that was that group. And so you always have to like try to get your kids back in the middle and counter some of those narratives. And that was one of the challenges this year when we were undefeated. And you you try to hide them for that, but you, from that, but you can't. And everybody is saying, "Well, you're undefeated." Oh my God! And we would constantly go, "Well, none of that really matters. It's really about what we do this week." Right. And so we did interesting things. We uh, Coach Saban um, talked about with the media rat poison and how the he used what the the, the press would say and how great they are. He called it rat poison. That was just a <laughs> crazy use. So I bought, I went to Home Depot, bought three bags of rat poison and put it in the locker room um, and spread it out. And then I sent that video clip to the guys and just as a reminder. So we had that in the locker room and then we watched the man in the arena uh, with Tom Brady and the episode about how they went undefeated that year, but then lost to the Giants and how they got all that way and they were really successful. They just had one bad day. Yep. Um, and people don't really look at them as one of the all-time great teams. Well, they were for almost every day of that season, except three hours. Yeah. And that's, that could happen to us. So I think that's helping, you know, kind of keeping them in the middle is always important. If we lose a game and everybody thinks we're terrible, we bring them back to, no, you guys, listen, we just didn't play well. They played better than us. You're still a really good team. Um, let's, let's get back to focusing on the things that can help us next week and keep moving forward. Love it.
what is one of the most memorable games in all your your entire career, whether as a player or as a coach? Um, a memorable game that stands out to you? Um, you know, you mentioned that Navy Syracuse game, that championship game. Um, I mean, that was an incredible experience. Um, we definitely, and Syracuse always travels well. They have a, a great history, but boy, oh boy, that seemed like a home game that day. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a team that uh, what a great group uh, stylistically, the way we play, the type of young people we had in that locker room, the personalities, it was an easy team to fall in love with. So being in that moment on that stage, um, you know, you kind of brought up um, just that weekend, some, some interesting things. Graduation was Friday afternoon and you get an hour practice time uh, on Friday um, when you play in the final four. So that just happened to be in Baltimore so the guys, all the seniors went to graduation and then we got um, a police escort and two buses and flew up to Baltimore. We made record time to get up there um, to get our practice in. I'm not sure we caught a lot of balls that uh, practice. Uh, we were kind of, it was pretty awesome being in that stadium and the guys had a lot going on, but I think that was one. Uh, and then another one that always sticks out is my first year here, um, we uh, we had a young man, Ryan Young, on our team and his mom, um, you know, reached out to me before the season. It was my first year. She had let me know that she had pancreatic cancer and um, she wasn't sure she was going to make it through uh, the year. So we had to kind of navigate and help Ryan, which are his his teammates and the staff did an amazing job with. And unfortunately, she passed um, towards the end of the year. Um, and we it was um, right before the ACC playoffs. And uh, we went down to Duke for the ACC uh, semifinals and it was a rainy day. So most people have their Gore-Tex on. And I, I remember going out uh, on the field and the coaches wore purple shirts and uh, that represented, um, we had Maryland lacrosse purple shirts in honor of uh, pancreatic cancer, which is the color for pancreatic cancer. And I looked in the stands and all of our parents, they didn't have jackets on, they were getting drenched. Um, and they wanted to show their love for Ryan Young and his brother, who was playing at Duke at the time. Um, and we were playing Carolina, but they just got drenched. And it was more important for them to show their love and support for Ryan and just wear that purple than it was to stay dry. And I was like, man, I am so lucky to be surrounded by these amazing families and great people. Um, and again, so much of again what we're teaching and what we're doing here has nothing to do with lacrosse, right? And and so this journey of life with these advert this adversity, what a great support system for Ryan, and what a great you know thing for him to feel that support to help him through a tough time. I, I got the chills when you were sharing that story. It's amazing. What is the most important book you've ever read? Who, um, boy, oh boy. Um, or one of them. It's hard to pick one. Um, you know, John Gordon's a good friend of mine. Uh, we played uh, college lacrosse together. Um, he has a book called The Hard Hat, um, which is one that we, we've used with our players. Um, it's about a boy named George Boyardi, um, who's from the Maryland area. 
um, who passed away, played at Cornell, and George was an amazing young man. Um, and a lot of the book is about um, George, his story, but also what it means to be a great teammate. Um, and um, I think that is one that is impactful because uh, for so many reasons, whether it's a sport of lacrosse or connection with George, but also, you know, things that make you a great teammate. It's, it's not necessarily about what makes you a better player per se. It, it, it will help, but it's all about being a good teammate and all those things carry over. Um, we are big on books here. Um, Legacy is one that we have our kids read. Um, there's a book called The Four Agreements, I think is fantastic, um, that is really simple, but uh, it's a big Tom Brady book, but it's something that our guys um, have utilized. Um, so I, I could probably go on and on, but those would be a few that come to mind. Yeah, uh, big fan of Legacy and The Four Agreements. So like both of those choices for the players. And then finally, what does living a resilient life look like for you? Um, again, kind of what's next, um, windshield mentality. Um, I mean, you know, people have brought up the last two championships, um, but the resiliency piece resonates so strongly in both those championship runs. And it started the year before, um, in 2016, we lose a heartbreaker in overtime against the university of North Carolina. Um, and we have a young man named Connor Kelly who took a shot in overtime and it could have won the game. Um, great player for us. Um, a save is made. Uh, if I had any guy to take that shot, I'd want Connor to take it again. Um, you know, we, we don't score. Carolina ends up winning the game. Um, heartbroken. Um, Connor, you know, is a guy that, again, there's a million plays in that game. Yet, right, it's one of the later games, so he's beating himself up. His teammates were there to support him. None of us looked at that play being the defining play, yet that's a long summer for him because I think he, in his heart, he's such a team-first guy. He was like, I let our team down, which we don't get there without him. He, you know, sometimes you can have a great shot and the goalie makes a good save, um, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. No one hits 100% of their shots, and um, we lose that game yet we come back the next year and we're motivated and driven and we end up winning the championship. Uh, we have a tough year. Um, we have some guys get injured along the way. We lose a few games along the way yet the guys are resilient and we win it. And last year, you know, we, we get close in that game against Virginia, our faceoff man, Luke Weirman has a chance. Uh, there's not much time left. There's a faceoff he comes down uh, hardly any time left on the clock Luke shoots it the goalie makes the save and that highlight is what we saw over and over again after that game all last year that's all anybody talked about and Luke was a sophomore he during COVID his freshman year didn't take any face-offs he's a Westchester Henderson guy so he's a Philly guy yeah um and uh, was a, a guy that was a really good athlete who we thought could be a good player um, and no face-offs as a freshman. Last year as a sophomore, he does a tremendous job of getting us to the championship, but that's what people remember. Luke takes the summer, comes back. He goes from 45% to a 66%, which was incredible, and becomes a first-team All-American um, and ends up leading us to the championship, and you could argue that he was our most valuable player um, in a lot of ways, 
but a guy that had to live with that memory. And every time he got on social media, that's what you saw was him missing that shot. It didn't define him. He just kept working and his growth and his improvement, it is storybook. Um, and just like Connor came back in 17, was a first team All-American and led us to a championship year, that adversity and just kind of getting up the next day, putting one foot in the next to the other, uh, in front of the other, and just continuing to just keep working and being resilient. That's what you love about athletics. Not every story will end that way, but it, it won't end that way. If you don't have belief, if you can't move on, you don't get that support. And, you know, you can't get that one first step to take the next step to make the next step. So um, those are all things you hope that the kids learn along the way. A lot of the stories won't be as as storybook as those, but there are so many little victories along the way, whether it's overcoming um, an injury, getting through that tough class. Um, during the year, did you lose somebody close to you and, and your guy supporting you, um, but just continuing to move forward. So um, that that next play mentality in a game becomes the next play mentality in life and realizing that it's going to be good and bad every day. And there's probably multiple good and bad every day, but you got to keep moving forward. Um, and it may be hard for you, but there's always somebody that's gone through worse than you. And I still wear my uh, Brendan uh, bracelet. Um, I, I've worn it, I've broken it. I've had to super glue it, uh, <laughs> but it's a helpful reminder to me every day, you know, like, listen, we have this opportunity. Um, you know, I still think what would Brendan think or say or do? Um, so he's still teaching me, but um, you know, that helps me motivated to help these guys be the best version of themselves. And a lot of times it's being like Brendan. I love it. Be like Brendan. I think uh, a lot of people could learn a lot of things from the way he lived his life. And, um, and I love the windshield mentality. Just, you know, keep looking forward, right? I mean, that's all we can do. Uh, we just got to keep looking forward. So Coach Tillman, thank you so much. It's been uh, such a pleasure to have you on the show. And I, I know that uh, my fellow lacrosse uh, fans and fanatics are going to really enjoy this episode and how you break it down. I really appreciate it. Best of luck next year. And uh, thanks for all you do to, you know, again, um, continue bringing light to the men and women who serve. Thanks so much for joining us on The Resilient Life. No, thanks for having me. And uh, I'm wearing my Travis shirt in honor of that today. And, um, you know, every year we go to Reese Across America. And I know I sent you a note last year and uh, uh, was there with uh, some guys that go every year. Some of our players go. I think it is one of the just truly like bucket list activities um, is Reese Across America because it is such a selfless, um, true, like American grateful expression like of, hey, it's the holidays, we're all busy, but we're going to get up early and make sure those people know that we haven't forgotten them and um, was able to leave one for Travis. And um, why don't you just know that like, you know, he's not forgotten. And um, he's he obviously he's keeping company with Brendan, obviously great young man. And um, just, I wish I got more time with him. Um, but I know he was obviously a great wrestler, but an even better midshipman and leader and, and, and brother, um, son, um, in so many ways. So, um, you know, again, blessed to, to have his impact as well. And, and thanks for all that you do, because uh, a lot of us appreciate what you do. And um, I know you got a lot going on, but thank you for that. 
Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends.